but I was still at NBC, like doing my thing at NBC. And then like on my lunch break, I would run over to, uh, to the place and like clean it in between guests showing up. And, you know, I, I created like a cadence of like, okay, at every morning at this time, I'm gonna send out these emails that have all the check-in instructions, all that. So like we were making really good money, but like it was, it was labor intensive. Welcome to Behind the Stays, a podcast that shares the stories behind your favorite Airbnbs and the hosts who've made them memorable. Behind the Stays is brought to you by Sponstaneous, a free weekly newsletter that brings you a carefully curated list of last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. Sign up at Sponstaneous.com. I'm your host, Zach Cruz. Enjoy the show. In just a moment, you'll meet Amir Dukic, founder and CEO of Rabu. Rabu helps investors find and manage short-term rentals. Amir started working in tech via a cold email. He reached out to the founder of Kick, which was a social network dedicated to talking about all things soccer, asking if he could help the company grow in any way. He started volunteering for the company, was eventually hired, and then worked his way up into a leading operations role right before the company was acquired by NBC. Tune in to hear the fun story of how Amir got started in the STR game as a host and how that experience inspired him to found Rabu. All right, without further ado, get ready to meet Amir. All right, Amir, we're live, man. How are you doing today? Doing well, Zach. Thanks for having me. Uh, I appreciate the invite. Yeah, dude, you uh, also, I like your, your jacket. It's like a nice, like cream colored, like any good contrast with your gray t-shirt. You look, you look like relaxed, but like also like, you know, I've, I've been grinding at the, at the same time, which is cool. Yeah. It, it's, it's how I feel, honestly. I mean, <laughs> uh, it's so, it's a brand I started buying more stuff from recently. War, I might be mispronouncing it now, so, cause I'm foreign. I say the, the letter V kind of funny, but it's Wari. Uh, v U R I. V. Really awesome, kind of easygoing, you know, still somewhat, you know, comfortable, but somewhat casual. Yeah. Without getting too casual clothing. So, highly recommend checking it out. All um, right, dude. I really will. Really good stuff. Kind of, I guess, that athletic leisure. Look, yeah. I guess maybe yeah. is, is the right right term. Yeah. Athleisure. Yeah. 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 Dude, yeah. That, that, that's like, that's so I don't know. Do you know the brand Cuts? Yes. Okay. So, yep. I'm, I'm like a huge, huge Cuts fan. And I, I like to mm-hmm. say I was like, one of the OG customers because at the time that I found out about cuts now cuts is like all the rage, but like, I remember getting, um, like DMS from the founder being like, Hey man, like, what'd you think? Right. And I was like, wow, like I must be like a pretty early customer. If the founder (laughs) is like taking time to like, send me a, send me a DM. Anyways, huge fan of cuts, huge fan of like this whole, like this new, this new, like work attire, man. It's, um, right. I'm all about it. Hey, hey, props to the CEO of Cups. That's the that's the way to go, man. Get get early input from your customers. Dude, you know, he's what amazing. They think. Obviously, he's done done well for themselves now. I mean, you see, you know, I get their ads all the time. You see athletes wearing them. They've they've created a good good, good brand for themselves. Yeah, so, dude. They, so cheers. It, it take it takes a lot of that. Yeah, reaching out and just asking questions and getting feedback and yeah, good yeah. For him. They've done it right. They I I have huge huge um, admiration for that company, but. Enough about cuts, um, dude. Uh, in order to kick off this conversation, one of my one of my favorite ways to just help people get to know you a little bit is to to ask this question. If if I were to crash a happy hour, right, with you and some of your closest friends, and if I were to ask them to tell me about Amir, like what what is it that you imagine they might say, or or is there a story they might tell? 
Uh, the first thing they would probably say, he's that freakishly tall guy over there. Uh, so I'm six, five. So oh, really? I think that's probably okay. the first thing they would say. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, being six, five always kind of stand out. So like, they'll probably point out, I'm like, yeah, he's the really tall guy. Did you always, uh, so did, you always, always did you always get like the, what's the weather like up there? Or like, I feel like there yeah, are like that, these classic that, like tall jokes. Uh, do you play oh, basketball? 100%. That's the one. That's the one. That's the one. Do you play basketball? It's like, yeah, I mean, yes. You know, and so I can walk and I'm six foot five. So I'm going to play basketball because otherwise, you know, it's, 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 uh, yeah. I know that's always kind of like, oh, how's the weather up there? You know, uh, did you play basketball? All that stuff all the time, you know, uh, at the point where it's a little annoying, but it's all good. It just goes with the flow. At this point, like it was weird growing up, you know, I was like, in, in school, like in middle school and high school, like everybody thought I was like held back because I was so tall, especially huh. in middle school. Like, uh, you're the older kid. How, did you get held back? No, it was just tall. It was annoying. I don't even feel tall anymore. It's just when like, when you put in the context, my co-founder for the business, James, like five foot five. And it's just kind of a, oh, a wow. funny story. When you see us walking next to each other, cause you know, you get significant different height levels, but yeah. yeah. So that's probably the first thing they would say. He's that, he's that tall guy over there. Um, what else would they say? Um, you know, he, he gets shit done. Mm. Um, you know, if he's got something on his mind, he's just going to go execute against it and make it happen. Yeah. Um, so those are probably the, the two primary things. He's going to gonna make it happen. He's really freaking tall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like it. Uh, so, so honest. Actually, my, my best friend, he's six, six. And it was like the same thing, like growing up. Um, and just everyone, everyone con- like, it's like people think, like it's the first time it when 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 they say like what's the how's the weather up there i feel like people a lot of people think like oh wow this is like a funny like creative thing to say as if it's like original like the confidence at which people say it is like oh wow i just thought of this like really interesting he's probably never (laughs) been asked this before right oh 100 (laughs) percent. you know just kind of at this point just kind of roll with it like yeah it's it's great up here yeah it's like uh yeah it's it it, it is what it is you know just uh yeah, it's at this point I love it uh, until I get in the airplane and then it's like, oh, oh, yeah. like this is this is miserable um, because as many advantages as I have when when it comes to flying somewhere I wish I was five foot five. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> yeah. because you know especially going anything over a couple of hours in distance. Yeah, that's rough, painful. man. You that's feel rough. like you're in a sardine can, but you know <laughs> there's pros and cons to everything. Pros and cons to makes everything you, makes makes it work harder make sure i can eventually just get first class so that, yeah. that's that, that's the, that's the goal there I you go first class yeah there you go there you go hey yeah we'll talk about talk about motivation um i love it dude give us the um the the sort of like shark tank pitch for for what rabu is yeah so we believe short-term rentals are a great opportunity for real estate investors to to grow their equity and get outsized returns so we've built a platform that helps investors through data tools find properties to buy understand how much those properties can make if they were returned to short-term rentals. Um, then we have uh, vendor partners that can help provide the lending, they can provide the agents to help close on the transaction, they can provide the furnishing. And once you have the property ready, if you need a management company to operate it on your behalf, you have a management company. Mm-hmm. So management company that currently operates in about um, 70 different markets, we manage a little bit over 400 properties, anything from a single family home to multifamily and even some hotels. So Really, we are your go-to destination if you want to invest into short-term rentals and capture some of the returns that are possible in this asset class. 
Hey guys, so I have to tell you this really quick story about my experience with short-term rental host guidebooks. So two years ago, my wife Gabby and I were on a podcast roadshow. We were actually collecting stories for this podcast, Behind the Stays, in the greater Asheville area. So we arrived in Asheville a couple of hours before our check-in, and we asked our host if there were any good recommendations for a lunch spot. He responded saying that he had a plethora of recommendations in his guidebook, but that we should certainly check out Wicked Weed Brewing Pub. So we went to the pub and our burgers were absolutely delicious, so we couldn't wait to uncover what other recommendations he had in his guidebook. But upon arrival, there was no guidebook to be found. We looked on the kitchen counter, the dining room table, even the closet of the guest bedroom, but nope, no guidebook. Now, we're not that extra, but we were pretty high up in the mountains and the internet service was spotty at best, so it made it really difficult to kind of figure out where we should go to dinner. So after 30 minutes of searching, we sat down on the couch and my wife said, why aren't there digital guidebooks for guests? Well, as it turns out, there are, and our new friends at Touchstay are the industry leaders. Touchday enables hosts to build beautiful digital guidebooks in a matter of minutes and enhance the guest experience by packaging your recommendations for coffee, wine bars, artisan bakeries, and Michelin star restaurants in a single online location. Guests can access everything through a really simple link. And yes, it works without a Wi-Fi connection. Touchday allows you to customize your guidebooks to match your brand. You can pick the colors, fonts, and images that best align with your STR, and it only costs $99 a year. Learn more about a plethora of other features they have and start your free trial at touchstay.com forward slash BTS, as in behind the stays. Oh, and while we didn't ever find our Asheville host guidebook, the cleaners did. It was in the trash. Apparently the guests before had spilled a whole pot of coffee on it, and they were so embarrassed that they threw the whole guidebook away. I guess it was a blessing in disguise though, because we told our host about Touchstay, and a year later when we went back to his cabin, Touchstay was there, and it was absolutely perfect. So start your free trial of Touchstay at touchstay.com forward slash BTS. Again, that's BTS as in behind the stays. All right, guys, back to the show. Where uh, where did this idea come from? Like, what what's what's your background? So my background, so I'm originally from Europe, hence the height, Eastern Europe, born, born in Bosnia. <laughs> okay. Um, lived, there to, lived there till I was six, and unfortunately, the war that broke out. So my, my, my yeah. family and I were forced to flee, and we fled to Germany. Huh. Uh, lived in Germany for six years, and really, like, like when I was six and 12, so really spent a lot of my formative years in Germany, kind of learning like the German lifestyle, the, the German way of thinking. Um, and then, you know, we moved to the States when I was 12, uh, and we moved to North Carolina, which is where the company is based. Uh, ended up going, moving to Charlotte for school, UNC, uh, and went to school at UNC Charlotte and okay. got an engineering degree. Um, and after graduating, did engineering thing for a handful of years and absolutely hated it. You know, <laughs> having kind of that refugee background, I was like, man, like, not that there's anything wrong with being an engineer, but like, I could see my career path. I would be like 60, like 350 pounds ball, just like yeah, doing stuff that I don't really enjoy. Yeah. So you know, I was like really going through like a weird phase in my life of like, like almost like borderline depressed, just like trying to figure out, like, I'm not happy with like where life is. I just yeah. got to figure out something to do. Uh, and I was just playing around on Twitter one day and I saw a guy, I think it was at that point, like a Carolina Panthers beat reporter mentioned, oh, so proud of my buddy who's joined this local uh, tech startup in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is where I was living at that point. Uh, uh, that's building a platform for soccer. And for me, it was like, 
soccer Europeans. Like, yeah, dude, yeah. That's like, it's in my blood. I have to like soccer. So <laughs> I reached out to to the CEO of that company, uh, Mac Lackey. And I said, hey, Mac, like I'm European. Love to get involved in any way I can, right? Uh, I love soccer. So he, as any kind of uh, bootstrapping uh, entrepreneur CEO would do, was like, hey, if you want to create some content for free, feel free to, right? <laughs> so I was like, cool. Like, let me get my get my hands dirty. So I started doing some some free work for for that company, Kick. Did good enough that eventually uh, I was brought on as a, a business analyst okay. uh, to join Kick, um, and ended up working my way up to be the VP of Ops. And as part of that, you know, was on client success, ended up managing our development team, and then was the VP of Ops when Kick got acquired by NBC Sports. Okay. Um, and sorry, and what the reason? What exactly was the product? Like, what what was Kick? Yeah, yeah. I should have clarified. There's a good story. So initially, the initial idea behind Kick was that it would be a social media platform to talk only about soccer. Okay. So think about it. It was like Twitter just to talk soccer. Had yep. really good, like had highlights, everything of that nature. Uh, that didn't work out too well. So uh, in like a last second pivot, the company pivot, pivoted to be a registration platform for to, to allow kids to register to play soccer. Okay. Uh, and even... And even in the U.S., uh, soccer is the number one participant sports yeah. for kids, right? Yeah. We all grew up we playing grew soccer. Up, so, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so uh, we ended up building a platform for kids to register to play soccer. Uh, and that was acquired by NBC Sports because at that point, NBC had earned the rights to the to the Olympics. Ah, yes. And they, and they wanted the ability to track a player's progress from very early on huh. through, through their career into the Olympics. So they really wanted to have that you know, player data, which is why they acquired uh, Kick. Wow. Okay. That, that, was, that is that, awesome. That was that platform. All right. So, yeah. so you you make it to to v, VP of Ops after like sending this guy like a cold email, essentially saying like, "Hey, this is really cool. I'm European. Like, would love to help out." You start creating free content. You end up being VP of Ops. So, were you there at the time that the company got acquired? I was there okay. uh, when it got acquired, and myself, uh, not the head of development, not co-founder, Kick James. Sorry, co-founder Rabu James uh, and the CEO were brought over to uh, NBC Sports. Okay, uh, so we joined NBC as part of the acquisition on like a one-year um, kind of contract. Yeah. Uh, so while there and kind of going through that transition, we started thinking about. I started thinking about what what do I want to do next, right? Yeah. And I started playing around with various ideas. One of them was like a. This is when like drones were first taking off. Like I had won like a DJI drone in a contest somewhere, and I started. We started utilizing those to like do videography, drone videography. Huh. Again, this was like six or seven years ago. Just like yeah. trying to figure out what to do next. Like yeah. kick was my way to get my feet wet and understand what the kind of entrepreneurial and startup world looks like. Yeah. Now I wanted to figure out what to do next, and my kind of philosophy on finding the next business is just like take baby steps. Just do one thing. Don't spend too much time building on a, you know, 30 page business plan that talks about all these variables that you have zero idea about that you have to test anything. <laughs> yeah. It was like, just take baby steps and see how that compounds over time. So I started doing a couple of things. One was that drone kind of videography company that were playing around with some ideas. The second was how we got into this space. So uh, right after Kick was acquired, my wife and I purchased a house in Charlotte that had a detached garage okay. and then a room with a bathroom above the garage. Okay. And ideal case scenario, it would have been my man cave, right? Yeah. I would have like had been watching my soccer and, you know, Carolina Panthers games up there. <laughs> but we had two little, two, two little boys at that time, like a two-year-old and like a two or three month, a two or three month old. And going over there in a basically a separate house, 
to watch sports while my wife was, you know, in that in, in a primary residence, like wouldn't have gone over well, yeah. very well. So, wouldn't have lasted long. You know, this, yeah, exactly. So we decided to put in an Airbnb, just furnish and put in an Airbnb, just hoping for some discretionary income, right? Just like, hey, maybe we can make a few hundred bucks a month. Yeah. We'll use it for babysitter money or like date night or yeah. whatever, right? So we do that. Uh, and this was like 2016 or 2017. Okay. Uh, we put it in the Airbnb, you know, it was, you know, decorated nice. And it was walking distance from like one of the like hip neighborhoods in Charlotte. Um, and next thing you know, it's paying the mortgage on our house. And we're Jeez. like, holy shit. Jeez. Okay. That's weird. Like there's something here. Yeah. Like we're living like, without even trying to do a house hack, we're doing a house hack on accident, <laughs> right? Like an accidental house hack. We're like, okay, cool. Like, I'm like, oh, well, maybe you should get a few more properties and see if you can do a very similar setup. So uh, my wife and I was just us at that point. I uh, went out and got a couple of more uh, Airbnbs, primarily through the lease arbitrage play, which I'm sure you've covered on here. Yeah. Uh, through the lease arbitrage. And we saw them all performing really well. But once we got to about three or four, we're like, okay, this is actually like you're running a hospitality business. Like this is, this is hard. I was still at NBC, like doing my thing at NBC. Yeah. And then like, on my lunch break, I would run over to uh, to the place and like clean it in between guests showing up. And, Jeez. you know, I, I created like a cadence of like, okay, at every morning at this time, I'm going to send out these emails that have all the check-in instructions, all that. So like we were making really good money, but like it was, it was labor intensive. So yeah. we, we, we decided, okay, this, you know, the drone photography thing was okay. Like we made some money. We actually shot some commercials, but like didn't have a passion for it, right? Uh, it just wasn't like what we wanted to do long term. Yeah. Um, so we're like, okay, this real estate piece, like, there's something to this. So I went to James Strong, who uh, was, as I mentioned, the head of development at Kick, um, and said, "Hey, James, like, this is what I'm working on. Can you help build out the backend technology for this to help us automate a lot of the stuff that we do, like all the send out, sending in the check-in instructions, just basically all everything associated with operating." And James. It's a fiddler. He's like, yeah, like I love to solve some problems. And yeah. So James started working on that, and that's really how the company started. Huh. Uh, is uh, just like through having an Airbnb in our backyard, uh, and then getting a couple more, realizing that there's an opportunity there, uh, and then bringing in James to kind of help uh, automate it. And the original vision for the company was, let's be um, kind of like a hospitality brand for short-term rentals. Really, not initially, it was not too different than what you know. The, the Saunders cause us from yep. this, th th those groups do. Um, that was the initial direction of the company. Pivoted since, but that was kind of how we started. Got it. Got it. Okay. So this this is awesome. So you ba you basically have like success with this, you know, ADU on your property. And that yep. sort of inspires this entire career pivot, quite frankly, into a comp completely new space. So tell me, tell me a little bit about at what point you all pivot. So you think you'll be like a, hey, maybe maybe we'll be a Vacasa, right? And then it's like, um, you know, maybe maybe there's there's something else. What 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 was it that like helped confirm the fact that you should move in a different direction? So, I mean, it's uh, kind of we joked around uh, what the Cuts, Cuts uh, founder did when he was reaching out to you. He's really talking to your customers, right? Yeah. So we, as we started reaching out to people that we were looking to potentially do rental arbitrage from, some of the feedback that we got was, um, hey, we'd much rather participate in the upside. And like, we have all these properties. Um, can you tell us how much they would make as short-term rentals as Airbnbs? Yeah. Or can you help us find the next property to buy? So it was really, uh, it turned up just being a demand thing, right? Where yeah. the more people we talked to, the more we realized the opportunity was around helping 
real estate investors unlock this asset class, help them find properties to buy. And then most of them didn't want to operate it themselves. Because yeah. they, it was, it's, it's, you know, managing one or two properties by yourself is doable. Um, but as you start scaling up, it, it becomes quite labor intensive. Yeah. Uh, and especially if you start expanding to additional markets, things of that nature. Uh, so that's really talking to customers when we realize, Hey, the real, the, the real opportunity and that nobody was really solving on a kind of holistic manner is like empowering investors to build their own short-term rental portfolios. Um, that you know can get them, you know, initial yield like uh, gross yields that are in the double digits right now. But then eventually, that they can sell to a large real estate uh, fund or, or yeah. trust that will be looking to deploy capital into this asset class in, in the near future. Hey guys, it's Zach. If you're enjoying this episode, could you do me two very quick favors? First, this show is possible thanks to a handful of incredible organizations who've signed on to be advertising partners of Behind the Stays. It would mean the world to me if you'd take just a second to scroll down to the show notes and go learn more about this episode's sponsor. Even if you aren't in the market for agency support or a new PMS at the moment, it never hurts to be aware of who else is out there. And second, if you're listening to this episode on Spotify, could you be so kind as to give Behind the Stays a five-star rating? And if you're on Apple Podcasts, could you submit a quick review and let me know what you love most about the show? I know it seems trivial, but these things really, really do help us grow the show. And just a reminder that if you've ever got feedback from me on how to make the show better, shoot me an email directly at Zach, that's Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com. You all really are the best. I love receiving your emails and DMs. All right, so check out the sponsor and leave us a rating and a review, please. All right, guys, back to the show. Were, were your early customers um, folks who had been in real estate investing for years, but just hadn't ventured into the short-term rental space? And if so, like, were these, you know, were, were the were these folks that uh, like individually owned five or ten, you know, homes that they um, uh, that they sort of self-managed more or less? Were these folks that had larger portfolios of like traditional rentals, like? Who, who talk to us a little bit about, like, I guess the personas of your early customers. Yeah. G great question. So early on, it was, it's always the early adopters are usually younger and yeah. less set in their ways. So the, <laughs> some of our early customers were people that were sometimes accidental landlords, yeah, um, people yeah. that, you know, it will be like a couple, you know, uh, that were just, that just gotten married and they you know they didn't want to sell that one of their places for whatever reason and said okay what do I do with this let's turn them into short term rentals because yeah. we travel and stay in short term rentals ourselves so it's really more kind of like the individual the young professional that you know was at one of the top 5 consulting you know groups and said hey I had some discretionary income that I'm looking to deploy in real estate yeah. you know how do I, I start I stay at short term rentals yeah. I stay at short term rentals I see there's big demand for this so it's really kind of the early adopters were what we call retail investors groups that were just like really early and yep. had one or two properties that has transitioned significantly since okay. over time. But the early adopters were either accidental landlords or really just young professionals that had, you know, uh, some, some, some money that they wanted to deploy and were actually short-term rental, you know, tenants or guests. Yeah. So they, they saw the opportunity there. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to us about how, Rabu compares to something like a like a PMS. Obviously, PMSs are 
for, from, you know, they're different, but like there, there does, based off of what I could tell on your website, seem to be like there could be a little bit of overlap. So I guess what, what Robbie does is like it can help you find the property, right? And then you're saying, if I want to, if I, if I find a property, right, and I say, great, this is, this is the one for me, you all can also manage that on my behalf. But I also have access to tools to manage it on my own should I, should I want to. So, how how do I how how does that compare with a with a traditional you know PMS like a like a guestie or a you know a hostaway or, or or folks like that? Yeah, yeah. So uh, what we end up doing is we end up so we actually when we started managing our properties we actually used some of those PMS systems okay. that you okay. just outlined. Yeah, um, and for our own management company, but then over time realized that for our use case for our designers we were solving it just wasn't the right. Set up. So we ended up yeah. building our own technology for our own internal management company. Wow. So James, who I mentioned, and his team have built out our own property management systems, our own PMS. We have our own pricing engine. We have our own um, smart home device IoT platform for locks, thermostats, wow. things of that nature. Uh, really, across the board, we've built everything out ourselves, our own booking engine, um, with the goal initially just to make it for ourselves, uh, for our own management company. Um, what we made available then mostly to customers are data tools that allow you to underwrite property. So kind of similar to AirDNA, for example, yeah. just, you know, AirDNA is a great product. I'm not, and I have nothing negative to say, but we, what we realized, even when we were using AirDNA to acquire, to kind of underwrite properties, we just didn't have enough insights into the comps, you know, yeah. what are the actual properties that we're comparing this to. So we built a tool for ourselves that we ended up making available to the public at data.rabu.com that you type in an address, number of bedrooms, we give you a revenue projection, so you seasonality and give you comps, so you can again select and deselect comps huh. to to just get an estimate of how much money you can make. Yeah. Um, and that is now used by about 50,000 people every month. Wow, that's uh, amazing. Underwrites about 2 million, it's underwritten over 2 million properties. Wow. Uh, just, it's been a great kind of awareness tool for us. But to answer your question, we don't yet provide any of the, uh, I'm not sure that we ever will, any of the actual uh, management tools okay. to our customers. We have a what we call portfolio where they can log in and see how their how their portfolio is performing up to the similar than like Robinhood would yep. from um, from how you to see how your stocks are performing. Yep. We have that, um, but the all the technology currently is used in house. We played around with some ideas of potentially making them available to customers, but the, right now it's all in house. So Got it. the management arm is powered by our own internal tech yep. um, that allows us to honestly be very um, uh, efficient in when we help investors launch a market. So, you know, there's a difference from Vacasa, for example. Vacasa, again, another great company, but they need a lot of density to launch a market, mm. right? We have markets where we only have one or two properties huh. because the technology we've built out and the, uh, the, uh, that we utilize allows us to really not need anybody on the ground managing properties. Uh, we have a vendor network for cleaners, maintenance, things of that nature that is tied into our tech that kind of automates the cleanings and gets all that stuff done through third-party vendors. But we don't do we don't have a presence in ninety percent of the markets that we're in, like with Rabu full-time employees. It's yeah. all kind of almost like an Uber for short-term rentals, as we yeah. describe it. Like we find we have the gig, and then we have the gig workers that are tech-enabled to to knock out the actual job that they need to do. Yeah. Dude, this is this is remarkable. This is so impressive. So, how how big is your team? There is thirty five of us right now. Okay. Um, okay. And we're all kind of re so fully remote company. Yeah. So we have density in Charlotte, so there's eight or nine of us in Charlotte. Uh, but we have team members 
all over the country with team members all the way up in, you know, Boston, Seattle, down in Miami, um, Southern California. So we have team members all over the country, very much a remote company and yeah. that's evolved since COVID happened. But, you know, I'm calling in now from, from our bonus room, uh, because <laughs> it's just, it, it worked. We've, we've made it work. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's incredible. That's, I mean, it's just amazing that you all are able to do what you just outlined with, you know, a team of 30 ish people. So that's, that's, um, that's remarkable. Um, talk to us a little bit about if you, if you don't mind what's what's on the roadmap like when, when you look out around like where 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 the product's at right now right and you think about like all right how, how are we doing it meeting how are we doing it meeting our customers needs and then like what are some things that we're not doing or not doing fully right now that we need to do more of in order to better meet their needs and or to expand our our customer base what what are some yeah. things that like are, are running through your head these days yeah, yeah, absolutely. So again, when we look at short-term rentals, uh, we look at them as as investment opportunities. So not a second home that somebody can stay at. It's yeah. it's it's an investment opportunity. So in our minds, short-term rentals and vacation rentals are not the same thing, right? Yeah. They're completely yeah. different. Dif- different owners, different use types, and happy to get into that later if, if you'd like. But for us, that's like there's there are two different things. Regardless, um, so for us, it's really all about enabling the investors to understand how much money they can make. If this, if a if certain property is a good short-term rental, and then to to facilitate the transaction uh, as easily as possible. What I mean by that is helping the investor understand, you know, what kind of loan they can get for this property, what their monthly payment would look like, help them actually facilitate the loan, um, and then get a guest ready as quickly as possible. Hmm. So some of the things we're working on in the future are integration with lenders. So when you start seeing properties on our website. You can almost get pre-approved with lenders that do short-term rental financing because that's huh. one of the main questions we get now. It's like, okay, great. Do you know somebody who can provide financing for this property? Yeah. Right. And yeah. we we have a handful of partners that utilize our data for their underwriting to provide the actual financing for property. So that's that's a big uh, that's a big step on our to-do list. Is really continuing to further enable the actual acquisition of the properties. There's some additional features we're adding on the kind of uh, on the running side, we're going to start comparing properties to long-term rentals as well. So if you buy this as a short-term rental, you make $5,000 a month. If you turn into a long-term rental, you'll make, I'm just making this up, $2,500, right? So there's a $2,500 delta, but that's another just education point that we want to provide. Because for us, it's just as important to tell the investor to not buy this and turn into a short-term rental as it is to buy it and to 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 turn into short-term rental. Because you don't want them to, to make a, uh, a decision because it's a, it's costly, right? We're yeah. helping people acquire assets that are, you know, four hundred thousand dollars. That's not, you know, a not ten dollar, you know, yeah. candy bar or whatever, right? <laughs> that you can just go pick up at the store and have some regrets over for five minutes and get over it, right? That's a it's a big investment. So we yeah. we want to provide as many educational tools as possible for them to to be able to do so. You're a kick-ass Airbnb host. In fact, you've done such a great job at marketing your short-term rental on Instagram that you're pretty much entirely booked for the next six to 12 months. And while it doesn't happen regularly, every so often there's a cancellation or just one random three-night window of availability in the middle of the week. Now, posting about the fact that you've had a cancellation or that you've got just three nights left in February on your Instagram story is a great start, but what if you could automatically notify interested guests the second a cancellation comes through? And that's where Ping comes in. 
Ping makes it easy for guests to be notified when their favorite Airbnbs become available. Ping is a simple widget that lives on your website or your direct booking site and integrates with your Airbnb listing and allows your fans and followers to sign up to be notified if their preferred dates become available. Here's how it works. Jimmy sees that you're booked for the whole month of October, but he wants to be notified if any three-night window in the month becomes available. Jen is a returning guest and wants to be notified if any week in June, July, or August becomes available. In a matter of seconds, Jimmy and Jen fill out the simple form and will be pinged if their requested dates become available. And as a host, you will immediately get pinged via email with Jimmy and Jen's contact information and requested dates, which allows you to build up your own database of guest email addresses. Ping, it's what the best Airbnb hosts use to maximize bookings. Sign up for free at www.bnbping.com. Ping, brought to you by Spontaneous. When you think about, um, I feel like there's more and more conversation or maybe maybe it's not even more and more conversation. Maybe I'm just more and more aware of it. But um, around like midterm rentals, right? Like this idea of three month, two month, six month kind of deals. Are are you seeing sort of like growing interest in that from investors from an investor standpoint? Or like what are what are what buzz do you hear about midterm rentals? Yeah, uh, transparently a lot, and we're big believers in it. Uh, and it also kind of goes back to my point earlier about. You know, short-term rentals being different from vacation rentals yeah. uh, in the sense that in our minds, again, short-term rentals are more in like urban markets um, and they're stayed, then people don't just stay there for a few days for a vacation or a business trip. They stay there for a few weeks to a few months at a time. So yeah. um, we're big believers in, in that. And we're, as part of some of the technology we've built out, we actively market our properties, even on like Zillow, for example, yeah. because we've seen a really good uptick of people booking monthly rentals through Zillow. So one of our OTAs is Zillow because huh. we can find monthly tenants. We've helped. You know, it's, there's markets, obviously, because of regulations that don't allow um, daily transient states. Yep. So in some of those markets, like Asheville, for example, or Richmond, Virginia, um, we have properties and we only do 30 plus day rentals and they all perform Wow. Exceptionally well. Wow. There's a really big demand. I think Airbnb's kind of numbers they had during their Q2 like earnings call. They said 50% of of guests are staying for a week plus. A quarter almost are staying for a month yeah. plus. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think some of the biggest things that's preventing that number to be higher is supply uh, and the market not catching up yet on the on revenue management side. What I mean by that is like you probably don't want to allow somebody to book a to book a two day stay, so it's what today is November twenty eighth, October twenty right? eighth. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. October twenty eighth, yeah. <laughs> October twenty eighth. See, uh, you probably don't want somebody to book a two day stay in April. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. The second because yeah. if you uh, unless you're in a really high vacation market, you know that seasonality, and you can charge you know a thousand bucks. You probably don't want somebody to book a two day stay there because you're losing out an opportunity for somebody to book a longer stay, yeah. generating a higher yield overall. So that goes, we're very big into that. And we have a whole revenue management team and strategies built around making sure that we capture at the appropriate times those longer term stays. Now, like in Miami in February and March, you probably don't want somebody to stay there for a month. Just yeah. because, unless they're really willing to pay top dollar, yeah. you're just going to make more money through daily guests, yep. right? But in Miami in September, you want somebody in there for a few weeks or a few months at a time because it's it's slow season. So it's really it's 
that's where, again, kind of where the uh, revenue management is important, but also where your like strategy and how you think about your um, the pricing and your revenue management comes into play. And that's, again, the investment side of things. Um, so big, really, we're really big into that. And we're trying to execute on it and collect as much data on it as, as we can. What do you think about, um, I'm, I'm curious on, on your perspective on this, um, around like the wanders and I don't know if you've heard of like a getaway yet or like summer, um, which are basically these like, uh, these, these companies that are popping up, these startups really, right. Where they're like REITs, but they're also like membership communities where again, you can like invest right in a, in their portfolio, but then from a, you know, for 200 bucks a year or whatever it is, you also then it's, it's almost like a timeshare, right. Where like you get, you get access to stay in their properties for a week or two a year. You get to pick the property, et cetera. Um, have you have you guys been like watching these companies closely at all? Have you have you noticed? I, I think here is another one maybe that has recently come onto yeah. the market. Like yeah, what? yeah, yeah. Here is getting. I think here is doing a little bit more of like a, a fractional ownership play. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, arrived, arrived is doing that now too. Uh, so it's really interesting. Um, I'm a I'm a bigger fan of as personally. Yeah, I'm a bigger fan of like what groups like here and arrived are doing in the fractional ownership yeah. versus what, you know, some of the membership, I guess, base days. It's just, I'm not a client for it. Yeah. Um, sounds like they're, sounds like, so I can't really relate to it. Sure. They must be solving something because they're doing well, but it's just not a problem that I'm aware of. Yeah. Um, myself, like I'm just not looking to become a member of anything. I'd rather have flexibility to go wherever I want to. Yeah. And, yeah. Whatever that's you just want. my yeah. style, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Picasso is doing something similar, right? Where you have a eighth ownership, uh, and I would, you know, like, I don't know, I'd much rather invest into the asset and own the whole thing versus just own a small fraction. Yeah. But that's me, right? Yeah. They're all obviously doing well on there. And um, it's smart of them. Uh, I, see, I see where it could work. It's just, I'm not, you're not the, you're not the customer. So, yeah. 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 Where, where some of these fractional ownership plays like here and, and Arrive, uh, that's really interesting. Uh, there's other groups that are getting ready to do it too. Um, and I, I think there's something there. It's, it allows anybody to really invest into short term rentals, which, you know, I think there's some good good opportunity there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd love to just hear any other thoughts you have around like the state of the industry, right? So a lot of the folks tuning into this conversation are uh, STR hosts themselves, uh, STR investors, and then also just entrepreneurs that are like building cool things in and around the space. So from your perspective, being being an entrepreneur, right? Having worked in uh, startups previously, uh, now leading now leading your own, um, what what a what do you see? Like, what, 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 what are some things running through your mind right now? What opportunities out are out there? Like what, I don't know, hot takes or predictions do you have on the future of the industry? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, it's, it's ripe for the taking. Uh, I think there's an opportunity for multiple winners, uh, in this space. Yeah. So like I, I, some people say our tool compares to their DNA, uh, the data tool does. I honestly want air DNA to do well because I'm a big believer in like the rising tide kind of helps everybody. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I encourage people to use our tool to also use air DNA just to compare the two data points. But uh, the point to that is I think there's, especially in, tra in traditional vacation markets, there's a lot of opportunity. Uh, there's a lot of old guards that are hanging on, hmm. uh, but, they're not sure how much longer they're going to hang on. Uh, and I think uh, groups that are coming in, coming up with, uh, with ideas to serve some of those vacation rental owners, I think there's some significant upside there that, that goes away from traditional vacation rental management. Um, I think that's an interesting space to get into. Like I mentioned, I love the fractional ownership 
uh, opportunities that are now kind of being explored. I think continuing to build around the guest experience uh, is going to be really unique. Mm. Um, I think that's somewhere where people are still lacking some. I think we're all kind of trying to individualize it somewhat. Um, and there are some great, great individuals out there who are creating they're making all their re- rental steamed and creating a great experience. I think that's really smart. Yeah. Um, I think there's an opportunity to enable those groups further. So, I mean, l- long story short, I think there's the market is still really young, really yeah. raw. Um, and I think there's going to be multiple winners here. And I think it, it's time to get involved, uh, you know, especially when you look at it from the investment perspective. Um, so uh, just a little bit of a background, uh, for your listeners that might Please. not be aware of it, but you know, single family long-term rentals are big, are big investment strategy now, but they weren't as much a couple of dozen years ago, right? Uh, it, it wasn't until uh, groups like Invitation Homes came in, you know, in the late 2000s, early 2010s and figured out how to help investors find, buy and operate long single family long-term rentals. Um, and, you know, now there's been, I think a couple of dozen companies that have, done really well as a result of this and have really changed the way, you know, investors acquire real estate and turn them into single family long-term rentals. So the way the state of that industry about a dozen years ago is really the state of the short-term rental industry now, Mm. uh, especially as it becomes more urbanized. We've taught some of our customers were involved very early on um, in the single family long-term rental space. And they see so many kind of parallels between the two spaces yeah. uh, that they're all extremely excited to get involved in it. So um, I, I think there's so much upside things that we can't even imagine uh, in the space. And I think it's becoming, again, going back to the short-term rentals, not the same as vacation rentals. I think short-term rentals are becoming a lifestyle for people um, when they're traveling, right? Yeah. Like we have team members now who are all nomads, right? They're staying in New York for a couple of months, then going to Nashville, then going to Austin. Uh, and the biggest thing preventing that is having access to properties that allow them to book and stay for a few months at a time, yeah, right? You yeah. can't do that at traditional, you know, in a traditional uh, apartment building or even most single family homes. So really providing that supply uh, and then enabling that experience and making that as smooth as possible. I think there's so much to be done there. So yeah. um I, I would I would encourage everyone to get involved because it's still very early. Yeah, I I love that I love those examples. And I, one of the things I also was just thinking about yesterday is like, as as you have all these distributed teams, right? Short the short term rental community has an opportunity to be to solve for sort of like the the all team like retreat or the you know the team small small to medium sized team get togethers. Right now. You got people all over all over the country, like sometimes all over the world, and it's still kind of like a hassle to like put people up in the you know all in the same hotel and then rent out conference space, and it's expensive, right? And I, I think about like some of these brands um, that are that are like a Wanderer or whatever, like new brands in the space. They have a really cool opportunity to sort of be the leader in hey, distributed teams book your company retreats through us. We'll make sure that everyone's got a place to stay. We'll, you know, we'll put the marketing team up in this house, the dev team up in that house, right? And yep. then we'll make sure that there's common space for everybody to hang out. And so I also feel like the future of work travel um, is actually, should be particularly interesting to this community because I think if done well, there's just an incredible opportunity. Yeah, and I think we're going to start seeing more and more of, and we have a few of these, and I think we're going to see more of this as well as like, 
entire buildings being turned into short-term rentals. So if you have a property mm. in, in Asheville, that's going to be 16, it's going to be live later this year, but it's going to be 16 units, all short-term rentals. Wow. Now, yeah. perfect for that type of experience that you said. It's like, yeah. a, you know, all much bigger than a hotel. The rooms are much bigger than a hotel. It's just a better overall experience. Um, so it's, I think there's so much there. And then again, building tools around enabling that experience. I know there's some startups now that are very much like, uh, focusing on um, building uh, kind of uh, the get-togethers, as, as you mentioned. There's yeah. a couple that I'm aware of, one here in Charlotte, one in Miami. Like tying in housing to that, huge. Uh, any kind of coordination around like events that are planned. Uh, again, so much upside because my, in my opinion, uh, and what we're seeing, it, this is a lifestyle change, mm. not just a, a, you know, a vacation rental destination. Yeah, yeah. Ah, so good. Well, man, hey, this has been great. I, I really appreciate your your time. Um, and thank you for what you and your team are building. Um, it's Rabu is like super, super cool. Love um, that you got to share a little bit about it with us. If folks who are listening want to learn more, um, want to, uh, you know, understand a little bit more about how you guys might be able to help them, what's the best way for them to get in touch? Yeah, I mean, uh, love to interact on Twitter. It's how you and I connected, right? Yes. So feel free to to reach out to me and ping me on Twitter uh, at Emir Dukic, E-M-I-R-D-U-K-I-C. Um, inboxes, they're open. Love to interact with you guys. Talk short-term rentals on there. Check out Rabu.com, uh, data.rabu.com, um, uh, you know, to to look at properties, to see about what we do. I highly encourage everyone to use data.rabu.com, free tool to underwrite properties and, you know, get, get an alternative and a second data point compared to AirDNA and others on, you know, how properties are performing as short-term rentals. Um, so check us out. Feel free to follow us and interact with us on, on, on Twitter. Awesome. Let man. us know how we can help. And I'll go ahead and I'll just um, drop all those links you just mentioned in the show notes. So if you want to uh, connect with Amir and or just um, learn a little bit more about Rabu, you can just scroll down to the show notes and um, find, pick your link, your link of choice. Um, man, this has been great. Really, really appreciate your time. Appreciate how you have me, Zach. Hey friends, hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you are an Airbnb host or know an Airbnb host who'd like to come on the show, please send me an email at Zach, Z-A-C-H, at spontaneous.com and we will chat. Behind the Stays is brought to you each week by Spontaneous, a carefully curated weekly newsletter that brings you the best last minute deals and upcoming steals on Airbnb. It's sort of like Scott's cheap flights, but for Airbnb. You can sign up once again for free at spontaneous.com. Last but certainly not least, I didn't believe in Marie Kondo's whole spark joy mantra until I started podcasting. Now, my joy is sparked every time I see a new subscriber roll in. So please hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and so you add a little spark to my joy fire today. Okay, that was kind of weird, but um, we're going to roll with it. Subscribe, um, and thanks in advance. All right, everyone, see you next time.